following sermon is from Grace City Church, located in DY, Sydney, Australia. If you'd like to know more about us, head to gracecitychurch.net. Okay, there's lot, lots, lots said today about attention spans. Let's see if you can give me your full attention while the offering's going around. Okay, that's a challenge for you. Okay, and uh, so I'm going to speak today on the subject of what elders are because we're going to appoint some at the end. As you know, it's a tremendous opportunity for this church to do that. And uh, when I was here 18 months ago, this was the target that we would prepare during this 18 months for elders to come and uh, take responsibility for this church. So, now, when we were praying before the meeting, Mike prayed and said, I'm sure David's preached this and done this many times. He's just letting out the secret that Preachers who travel all around the world don't always preach something totally different on every occasion. I know that comes as an absolute shock to most of you. Um, but it's true because one of the things that I have the privilege of doing is praying uh, for elders in churches in all sorts of different contexts. And that's a wonderful thing to do. And uh, one of the ones I did recently, which was... Quite a challenge to actually run the service because we ran it in four languages and everything had to be translated three times, that means, because I was speaking in English. But it was in a place called Yalova in Turkey where we have an absolutely amazing church. And I had the, that church has three congregations according to language group because... There's no other way of doing it. You couldn't, we proved in that meeting when I was appointing elders, you couldn't translate into three languages from the front every time. And uh, so, but it was tremendous opportunity. We, the church has a Turkish-speaking congregation. It has a Farsi-speaking congregation amongst Iranian refugees. And it has an Arabic-speaking congregation amongst Iraqi and Syrian refugees, many of whom come to Christ fairly recently. So that was a tremendous privilege. We appointed uh, elders into, they were elders of the whole church, but actually they had to work, obviously, in their language group. It's the only way you could do it. It was also tremendous because uh, one of the people I appointed for the Turkish congregation I don't know how well you know Paul's letter to the Romans, but at the end of it, he's greeting all sorts of friends of his, and he said, greet, and I can't even remember the guy's name, but greet who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. And we prayed into eldership someone who was the first convert to Christ ever in the province of Yalava, because it's a big province as well as a city. Isn't that tremendous? Okay, and so uh, appointing elders, therefore, is very exciting 
especially in all the sort of context that I'm privileged to do that. Well, what I'm going to do is do a little bit of teaching about eldership, what it was in the New Testament, and how it works in today's context. First of all, though, I'll tell a story from the Word of God. As you know, I usually tell a story from around the world and a story from the Word of God. That's how I preach. Well, two guys called Paul and Barnabas had been sent out from a church in a place called Antioch, now called Antakya, in eastern Turkey on the Syrian border. And he was sent out to preach the, they were sent out to preach the gospel in other places and start churches there. Well, they first went to Cyprus, which is pretty logical because Barnabas was a Cypriot. So good to go back to your home place first. Then they went by boat from Cyprus. I know it's the other part of the side of the world for you, but for guys I'm often preaching this to, they go on holiday there, okay? So they recognize all these places. But to a place called Perga on the Mediterranean coast of Turkey. Then inland into central Turkey to a region called Galatia and preached in a number of churches there. It was an exciting tour. In one place, always very confusing in the book of Acts because it's also called Antioch, <laughs> but it's called Pisidian Antioch, just to avoid confusion, which I'm, glad, I'm sure you're glad you heard that this morning. Okay, preached there. And uh, the whole city, it says, turned out to hear him the next week. And some of the Jewish leaders in the city opposed them, stirred up the authorities. And Paul and Barnabas were expelled. And I love this. Leaders were expelled. But it says, but the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay? Not because their leaders were expelled, but at least something had really happened in that place. Then went to Iconium, a place called Konya now. Scylla and I have been there. It's one of the darkest places I know. Hardly, I don't think there's any believers there. In central Turkey, many miracles. Again, city divided and had to flee again. They went to Lystra, been there, but it's just a little mound of earth in the ground because there's no town there anymore. And a lame man was healed and superstitious people thought the Greek gods had come in human form and started to worship Paul and Barnabas who had to stop them. The Jews then came from Pisidian Antioch, stirred up the city against them, with the result that Paul was stoned. It was pretty exciting stuff. Okay? This is the context of the first elders' appointment in the, whole of the, in the New Testament. Okay? <laughs> they thought Paul was dead. The believers gathered around him. And, but he got up and then went to a place called Derby to preach. However, these new churches needed establishing. Great things had happened. Loads of people had been saved. Amazing miracles had taken place. Stonings had taken place. But these new believers needed establishing. They needed long-term help. So Paul and Barnabas said to each other, let's go back to these churches. Let's return. And so they did. And what did they do? How were they to establish these new believers firm in their faith. Well, they did three things. Firstly, they confirmed the outline of apostolic doctrine, which they called the faith. doesn't mean faith that we have 
in Jesus, which is obviously very important as well. But the Bible also speaks about the faith, which is the outline of truth that they taught them. So they reminded them about that, because that needs doing every time to establish people. The second thing they did, which was really good news, and if you don't do this, you aren't establishing a church properly. They said, through many difficulties, we enter the kingdom of God. Churches don't know that. Even in consumerist West, of course, when I preach that in the East, or places where there's persecution, of course they need to hear that. But we need to hear it as well, because even in our consumerist mentality, the Christian life is not a bed of roses. It is through many difficulties that we enter the kingdom of God. You must know that, otherwise you won't be well established. You understand? And then thirdly, they appointed elders in every place. So those are the three things needed for churches to be well established. Whether it's a new church in Turkey with three languages or whether it's a well-established church on the western beaches where nobody has any problems, they still need those three things because there are problems here. You need establishing in the faith. Keep reminding of it. You need to know that through many difficulties you enter the kingdom. And thirdly, you need elders to care for you and be like fathers and be a guard upon the church. Okay. So, that's what happened. I'll read it to you now. After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them, these three things, to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Because in the end, it's the Lord that guards the church. Elders are in his care, as the whole church is. Not even in the apostles' care. We do care for the churches. But in the end, he committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. Okay, that was what was most needed. It was a team of elders. Never in the New Testament is just one pastor appointed. That's a more recent development. And as I say, they were committed to the Lord because it is the Lord who will guide them, protect them, and to whom they're accountable for, their ch for the church and their service in it. It's tough being an elder. The Bible says, you have to give an account. Who to? God. Okay? You have to give an account for your own, own life. Elders have to give an account for the way they've guarded the whole church. Okay? So it's, it's tough. It's full of joy as well. <laughs> but remember that. So what was local church leadership in New Testament times? Well, I'm going to get a bit technical with you now, having told you a story. 
Because three words, and this is important, were used to describe those with oversight or governmental responsibility, leadership responsibilities in the New Testament. There were three words. First word is the word elder, which is one we've been using so far today. Greek presbyteros. Don't worry if you don't remember that. But, uh, and this word is from a Jewish background. So in the Old Testament, you find that the elders of the town sat in the gate. So this word elder would have been a familiar word to those in the church from a Jewish background. And the word elder describes their maturity, though not necessarily great age. Okay, I need to say that, because not everybody we're appointing today is of great age. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's not a question of great age, because Timothy was actually functioning like a lead elder in Ephesus at one time and was appointing other elders. And Paul says at the same time to him, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Okay? So it doesn't, it's not of great age, but it is of maturity. And elders also describe the respect that they would have in the whole community. Respect is a very, very important word in sort of in Eastern churches. We sort of forget about that in the West when everything's very relaxed. But they are people of respect in the community. Secondly, they are called overseers. And the Greek word for that is episkopos, from which we get our word bishop. But don't worry too much about that. Because episkopos or overseer, was not a religious word. It was a word from a recognized secular term describing a manager or a senior city official. And that was of Greek origin. It was deliberately not a religious word, which is unfortunate what's happened to it since. But it was deliberately not a religious word and demonstrates the management and leadership of the entire community in a way that the Greeks would have understood from their background. Okay. And the word overseer, if elder describes maturity, overseer describes the ability given by God. It says the Holy Spirit makes them overseers. That means the Holy Spirit has given them the required gifts and anointing to govern, lead, and make good decisions. Okay? Now, in one sense, we're appointing new elders. In another sense, we're not. Okay? So, I'll explain this a bit later. But what we're doing is recognizing what the Holy Spirit has done. Okay? Because the Holy Spirit does it. Then the third word is the word shepherd or pastor, Greek poimen. Now it's usually used as a verb, do shepherding, although sometimes translated be shepherds. And the word shepherd explains the function of the elders and the way they function, the manner of their function. Okay. So... 
They are caring for the flock. That's the first thing. The first thing for elders, although they get involved in strategy, the first thing isn't strategy. The first thing is shepherding and caring. Now, involved in shepherding is taking the flock to good green pastures. So it does involve direction, but the essence is it's caring for the flock. That's first. Okay? Now, these three words are quite evidently used to describe the same people. Because in Acts chapter 20, it says this. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. Who is he sent for? The elders. And then he says to them, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Or episcopoi. Then it says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So it's very, very clear from the Bible, and I could give other scriptures as well, that those three people are the same people. They are elders, they are overseers, and they are shepherds. Okay. What do they do then? Well, in the Bible... The function of elders, overseers, shepherds, is, as I've said, to rule or lead and manage. It says in 1 Timothy 5, verse 17, able to handle the complexities of church life. It also means they do it as a team. You know, we... Elders lead a church, not one person. Sometimes we use language like... I don't know whether you do. Mike leads the church. No, no. Elders lead the church. Mike leads the eldership team. Do you understand? It's important. Okay. Secondly, to teach. In 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, in Titus, correct wrong doctrine. Now, it doesn't mean, because this could confuse us if we're not careful, it doesn't mean they're the only teachers. Okay, and some of you have been, some of the other meetings I've been at will know that I don't believe that. Okay, those that teach are those that have the gift to teach. But the elders are responsible for the doctrine that's taught so that they can discern what is wrong. And it doesn't mean every elder has to have a public teaching gift either. But they can all teach in some context or other and they understand truth. Then to shepherd, as I said before, that involves care and direction and is relational. It's a family relationship. It's, the church is an extension of a family. It is a family relationship. And then finally, to pray for the sick. James, who speaks very clearly on these sort of things, he sort of makes everything so easy. He just says, anyone happy? Sing. Anyone in trouble? Pray. Anyone sick? Call the elders of the church to anoint you with oil. Isn't that simple? <laughs> Are you happy? Sing. Okay? <laughs> you in trouble? Pray. If you're sick, call the elders of the church to anoint you with oil. Again, that doesn't mean only the elders have gifts of healing, because gifts of healing are in the whole body. But there comes a time sometimes when you need to just call the elders of the church to do that.
Also, the application of this was contextualized to each situation. So Ephesus was a large, mature church, which Paul was writing to in 1 Timothy, and because of the maturity of the church and the believers in it, it was necessary to have very mature elders, so it says don't appoint a recent convert. However, in Crete, where Paul writes to Titus about, it doesn't say not a recent convert. Because everybody in Crete was a recent convert. <laughs> so it simply said, those who've de demonstrated godly character, they are the ones that you can be elders there. So eldership has to be contextualized today. So these elders are being appointed for this church, for this context. We are not, in the sort of traditional Christian sense, ordaining them so that they can say they are now a reverend and wherever they go, they're still a reverend. No. And I'm not despising titles. I've ordained quite a few people because sometimes governments require people to be ordained to lead a church. So I can ordain them and give them certificates and they have all sorts of things. Great. Okay, <laughs> but you don't, I don't think you need that here, so uh, it, it's, it's not that. It is saying for this context and this church, these are the people to be recognized as elders in that community. Okay. There are also certain character qualifications. Now, I'm not going to go through all of them. Because actually, it says, it gives a title to all the qualifications in 1 Timothy. It says that they need to be above reproach. Now, that does not mean they never make a mistake. Sorry about that, folks. I'm not guaranteeing that you're, these guys will never make a mistake. Okay, I'd love to, but I can't. I'm not guaranteeing that they don't have little sins they have to confess to the Lord and receive his forgiveness for. But what it means is no public accusation can be made against them. That's what that means. And then it gives some of the details. It says, husband of one wife, not get, don't get drunk, hospitable, and so on. By the way, those character lists for elders are what every Christian should aspire to. <laughs> it's not saying... Well, the rest of you can get drunk and uh, be violent. and No, no. It's what, it, it's, it means that they're examples in godly character. And also, the discipline of leaders is proportional to their authority. So for everybody else who sins in a serious way that requires discipline, you can confess it to someone it never needs to come out publicly. For elders, if they sin in a way that requires some sort of discipline, it has to come out publicly. That's what the Bible says. Okay, so I remember I was, I was appointing some Turkish elders in Istanbul, a different place, and I referred to this in my preaching. Of course, they're in a shame on a context which I was talking to you about last week and I touched on this bit in my preach because I always do you know, as Mike says I've done all this before okay <laughs> it's, it's very important to say it 
and uh, their Turkish friends came up to them afterwards and said, we thought this was an honor, but it sounds scary. <laughs> Hallelujah, they got the point. It's actually both. It's an honor and it's scary. So, how are elders recognized? Well, in three things. Firstly, the call, appointing, and anointing of God. Okay, the Holy Spirit has appointed you elders, so we recognize that anointing. Secondly, the recognition of that call, plus their godly character, by existing elders and ex an apostolic ministry expressed through the laying on of hands. Okay, which is what we're going to do in a moment. Mike is an existing elder, and myself and Peter Nari, representing apostolic input to this church, will be laying hands upon them. And thirdly, they are received by the people. Okay, we never impose elders. They're received by the people. That's why we announce in advance what we're going to do and why I'm going to ask you at the end of the time together to receive these elders. And we'll see how Northern Beaches people do receiving when we come to that point. <laughs> but that's what those three things come together. Okay, so I hope that makes clear what eldership is. I hope you enjoyed the stories and I hope you've understood the truth of what we're about to do in the remaining half hour of this meeting. <laughs>